You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. Happy Easter. Some of y'all looking really good today. I think, I think that may be the first tie that's been on the stage in months. Praise the Lord. Choir. And the choir, that could have been years. It may have been a decade. That's awesome. So cool. Well, if I haven't met you yet, if we could turn the house lights up a little bit, that'd be great. Uh, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the senior pastors here at the Promise Church. And uh, at the Promise Church, we exist as a church to, to see people encounter Jesus daily in their personal lives. We do not exist to do a great church service. That's not why we're here. But we want to see a community of believers who are passionately in love with Jesus, who are filled with the Spirit of God and activated to represent him everywhere they go. And if you want to be a part of that, we want to invite you to come next Sunday after second service to our Belong group. And if you, if maybe this is your first Sunday or you've been coming now for a couple of weeks or you're watching online and you've just begun to join us, we want to invite you to come to our Belong class. After second service, we're going to have Popeye's chicken cater, praise God. It may not be Chick-fil-A. It's not Jesus' chicken, but it's close. It's Popeye's chicken, so we'll take it. Uh, there'll be childcare. Uh, all of us pastors will be there. We're going to have a great time. You, we can ask questions and talk to each other. You can learn a little bit more about what we do and how you can be involved. So that's next Sunday after second service. All right, this morning, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. And it says this, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And we could just stop. We could preach an entire message on that line right there. Come on, some of us need to respond the way Jesus does when people hurl insults at us. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins. Who might die? We might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. Come on, on Friday, a lot of people got healed. If you didn't come to our Good Friday service, we had a lot of people receive healing in their body. In fact, I just heard even this morning, somebody who'd never been here before, may never come again, but came, was just visiting and uh, got healed. He didn't even, we, we had a word of knowledge. Jeffrey had a word of knowledge for somebody with hip pain. He didn't even raise his hand. He kept his hand down. No one prayed for him, but he got healed and his hip no longer has pain. Come on, no one even had to lay hands on him. Praise God. For by his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. At the Promised Church we have a saying, and we say we do not play church. We, we don't play church. And what we mean by that is we are not here to go through the motions. We're not here just to play games, although I like games. I like good games. I like Simon Says and I like all those good ones, but that's not why we're here we're not here to go through some religious activity where we check a box so we feel good about ourselves. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because it's in that place, if we're not careful, where we become very familiar with Jesus. We become very familiar with the cross. We become familiar with the Spirit of God. And we gather here for one reason, and that is to meet with Jesus. If Jesus is not here, I will not be either because I want to be where he is. Worship is not about you. 
Worship is not about me. It is simply about Jesus. And every time we gather, we gather to meet with him. This is why we're here. This is why we say, Holy Spirit, come. And every other demonic spirit, leave. Every religious spirit, every spirit of fear, leave. Because we only want the spirit of God in this room. And... And I believe in great events. I believe in great programs. I love great Easter gatherings and photo booths and and donut walls. I love all of them, but there was never a great program that saved anybody. No great event, no great program ever got somebody free. And I love all great events. I love great potlucks. Praise God for potlucks. How do people miss potlucks? Those were my favorite Sundays growing up. I fasted breakfast. And there was always that one guy, always like a 20 or 30 year old that would forget to bring food, but he would run and grip pizza, like three extra large pizzas. And I would just pray during service, God, let some poor fool forget food today. Lord knows we don't need more green bean casserole. We need pizza. We need pizza potlucks, just pizza. But no great potluck ever saved anybody. Only Jesus saves, only Jesus heals, only Jesus brings freedom. And so that's why we're here, because if we're not careful, we know, and I've been this way, we can become familiar with who Jesus is. We can become familiar with the cross, his death, and his resurrection. And this week, I've been reading the story almost every day. And on Tuesday, we even read it as a staff, and I'm just beginning to cry and weep because I'm remembering what my Jesus did for me. Because this is not just a story that we read and we're like, oh yeah, that happened. This is the gospel. That the story of Jesus giving his life for you is the gospel. It's why you're alive. That the son of God, that the creator of the heavens and the earth came to earth as a man. Fully God, yet fully man for you. He went through the cross for you. He wasn't forced on there. He wasn't prodded to get up there, but he went willingly. The Bible says for the joy set before him, he placed himself up on that cross for you. When you didn't deserve it, when you couldn't earn it, he placed himself on that cross for you. And every thorn that was shoved into his skull, every whip that he endured as blood gushed from his body, as skin was literally, come on somebody, we believe in the Bible, it talks about this. He was disfigured to where he wouldn't even look like a man. Imagine they would flog him in such a way where the skin would come off of his face. Bones would show on his body. Blood would be filling and spilling upon the ground. People cursed him. They mocked him. And he took it and welcomed it with joy for you. While you were in sin, when you didn't deserve it, before your parents even were born or thought of you, he did it for you. And he gave himself up on that cross. And he went into the grave, only he didn't stay in that grave for three days to have a little siesta from his ministry journey. He plundered hell. He went down into the depths of hell and took the keys to hell from the devil. And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I love this in Colossians 2. Colossians 2.15 says this, he disarmed the powers and authorities. Come on, we do not fight against flesh and blood. Our war is not with each other, but it is principalities and powers of darkness. He disarmed them. They've got no arms. He disarmed them completely. I think that's what that means. And he made a public spectacle. 
He paraded his victory around. Can you imagine the party going on in heaven that day? While all the earth was in mourning, heaven was celebrating. And he triumphed over them by the cross. Come on, this is what Jesus did. He rose again on the third day and conquered sin, conquered death, and conquered the grave. One of the purposes of the cross was this, to bring about forgiveness of sin. That you and I, we're born into sin. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All of us are in need of a savior. Every single one. You in your own strength could do nothing to remedy the problem that is your sin. It required a perfect spotless sacrifice. And that sacrifice was the perfect lamb of God who came to take the sins of the world away and to create a way for forgiveness. The Bible says that he is the way. He is the only way. There is not another way that you will find that will bring about forgiveness or fulfillment or life. He is literally life itself. He is truth. If you're wondering, what is truth? Well, we hear that today. What's your truth? There is only one truth, and his name is Jesus. Another purpose of the cross was to show you and I what it looks like to die to self. Oh, praise God, it's gonna be one of those messages today. The Bible is very clear that the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection is a blueprint for your life. And what church will do, what church at large will do, is we will try to create a way around the cross. Here's the cross, here's Jesus, here's you in sin, needing life, needing joy, needing freedom, needing forgiveness, and what church at large will try to do in efforts to grow a church, in efforts not to offend because we all want to be happy, we want to come to church and feel good about ourselves, stay comfortable, we'll create a way around the cross. You don't have to die to self. Come around with all of your addictions, with all of your sin, with all of your mess, and you can just stay in it, and you can receive all of Jesus. This is what oftentimes the church at large will try to tell you. At the Promise Church, we preach the whole gospel. Let me read something for you. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus is speaking, and he says this. If you want to be my disciple, let me say it another way. If you want to be a Christian, If you want to be a Christian, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Now, my wife wants me to get more workouts in, but that ain't why you're carrying your cross. You are not carrying your cross to get a good workout. You're carrying it to stick it in the ground, to place yourself upon it, and to die every day. To deny yourself and say, Jesus, it is not my will, but your will be done. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this, for I've been crucified, for I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. His cross, his death, and his resurrection are a blueprint for you. You cannot have resurrection life without the cross. You cannot experience the life of Jesus until you go to the cross. Well, pastor, I thought he died so I didn't have to. No, he showed you how to. See, he died for your sins so you could be forgiven, but he showed you what it's like to live for him. 
The cross is for you every day to place yourself upon it. And what happens is we have a lot of part-time Christians trying to get full-time benefits of the Lord. Staying over here, trying to receive resurrection life and wondering, why do I not feel joy? Why do I not feel peace? Why do I not feel breakthrough? Why am I not experiencing freedom? It's because you circumvented the cross and kept the old creation, the old self. The Bible says that when you receive Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. You are a new creation. It is said that we are to be born again. How do you be born again? Something must die, you. You must die at the cross to receive resurrection. Doesn't this just feel great? Isn't this a great, warm, fuzzy Easter message? But see, if I were to preach an Easter message to you that says, hey, just come and have hope, but you don't die, you'll get hope for a moment and leave full of full of dread, full of despair, full of fear. The cross for you is how you get free so you can receive the peace that passes understanding, the joy indescribable, life and life abundantly, and walk victorious for the rest of your life. If you do not go through the cross, you will find yourself again and again and again empty and needing another touch from the Lord because you are empty and you are not filled with him. You cannot have the cross, or you cannot have resurrection life without the cross. I remember growing up and being like, how do I die to self? Like, as a kid, I literally thought I had to, like, go home and, like, role play dying. Like, huh? Huh? Oh! And, like, you... Anybody else? Anybody else like, what the heck are you talking about right now, man? Like, I'm with you, and it sounds terrible. So what are you talking about right now? How do you die to self? How do you place yourself upon the cross? You take all of your wants, all of your fears, all of your needs, all of your sin, all of your issues, your pride and your concern. You take all of it, and you just give it to the Lord. And he takes your mess, he takes your worst, he takes the dirty things, he takes them all, and he says, now I can give you all of me. It's a divine exchange, but it cannot happen unless you give him everything. See, the Bible says this, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. He cannot be Lord of your life unless he is Lord of everything. He cannot be Lord of your life. You cannot confess with your mouth and say, Jesus is Lord of my life unless he is Lord of everything. And oftentimes what we do is we'll welcome the Lord into our house and be like, Lord, here's all my rooms. You can have everything, but don't go into that closet over there. That's my pornography habit right there. Can you stay out of that room, please? I'll welcome you into my life, but my anger issue, yeah, don't touch that because I'm just managing it well. Come into my life, but you can only have 99%. If he's not Lord of 100% of your life, he ain't Lord. See, we don't play games. He's either Lord of everything or he's not Lord at all. This is the gospel. And what we do is we convince ourselves that we've given him enough, but it's the uncomfortable areas of our lives that he's trying to actually connect with, but we're resisting him because we're scared. What will he do? What will he ask of me? What will it feel like? 
The cross is how you experience resurrection life. It's through the cross. And maybe you're, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I believe in God. The Bible says that even the demons and the devil believe in God and it counts nothing towards them. It is, does not matter whether you believe in God. You just got to look around you. Look at the human eye. Look at nature. Look at the sky. Look how things grow. Is there's evidence enough that there is a God? But do you know him? And does he know you? Have you surrendered your life to him? The cross is an instrument of death so that you can surrender everything to Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. See, when you take up that cross and surrender yourself upon it, you die to sin. Now, I, anybody here an intellectual? Yeah, all the intellectuals won't raise their hands because they're processing. If I raise my hands, what will they think? <laughs> all crazy. All crazy. Y'all processing. Did they really get healed? Were they worshiping? Was that fake? When they were dancing, that was all about them, right? You're all processing, thinking everybody's fake. But really what you can't tell is, is that them responding to the Lord and worshiping the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength probably looks exactly the way you don't want to feel. All you intellectuals, I'll be one. I am one. I over-process and over-analyze. So when I say that, I know exactly what you're thinking. And in, in an analytical mind, we use reverse psychology, right? If I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus, then I'm dead to sin because I've put myself upon that cross. Therefore, sin no longer has its hold on me. So now if I work backwards... And if I'm bound by sin, that means I haven't got on the cross. That means I must not be following Jesus. Because to follow him means to go upon the cross. So I'll say it this way. If sin has control in your life, you better check who you're following. Because if you are following the Lord, you will follow him onto the cross and then you will follow him out of the grave. And you will find freedom in your life. So check your heart. Check your addictions, check your mind, check what you watch, check what you let in, check what you put into your body. What has its hold on you? I read this at the beginning, 1 Peter 2, verse 24. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins. You are to die to sins and live for righteousness. It is a death to life. It's not a dead to stay dead, but it is a surrendering to the Lord that you may live free and holy again. And maybe you're standing here and you're like, I've gone forward, bro. I've said the prayer. I've asked to be prayed for, yet I'm still bound in sin. What's the deal? Why am I still here? I, I was addicted to pornography for years. Prayed a prayer year after year and year. I didn't realize I was battling a demonic spirit. Until I was actually able to be free in my life, my wife prayed over me. Until I was actually able to be free, I couldn't wrestle against the demonic. But until the power of God came and filled me and I humbled myself and I let the Lord into the intimate, delicate, sensitive areas of my life, I would never be free. I had to place myself upon that cross and say, I die to my pride. I die to fear and I'll receive freedom. 
The Bible says that whom the Son has set free is free indeed today. You can be free from sin. You can be free from anxiety. You can be free from pornography. You can be free from anger. You can be free from addiction. You can be free today. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit of God is here right now today. See, in our culture, in today's cult culture, the world is trying to convince you that you're fine just the way you are. You ever heard the phrase, you just do you? I want to slap someone in the face every time I hear that. Bro, you just do you. No, you is messed up. Like, you got problems. You don't do you. You fix you. <laughs> you need a lot of fixing, right? I don't want to do me. I want to do him. But what the world tries to convince us with is that addiction, oh, that's fine, just manage it. In fact, let's create a Facebook group and everybody that has the same addiction will gather around, they'll all post our names about it and we'll celebrate each other and anybody who speaks against your addiction, we'll cancel them and say, well, you just don't love people. Because the world doesn't realize that you could be free. You can be free. See, in the kingdom of God, it says, not my will, but your will be done. In the kingdom of God, it says, he who tries to save his life will lose it. But he who gives his life to the Lord, loses his life to the Lord, places his life upon the cross, will find it. The only way you will find life in Jesus, the only way you'll find fulfillment in this world is through the cross. You dying. Amen. It feels good. There's a place in, in Luke 23 where Jesus is there with Pilate. And Pilate knows that Jesus should be set free. So Pilate, what he does is he's smart. He brings out Barabbas. But he's like, I'll trick him. I'll bring out someone they should hate and despise. He's a rioter and he's a murderer. Surely the crowd will come to their right senses and they'll ask for Barabbas to be let go. So he brings out Jesus and he brings out a murderer. And he says, who do you want? Who do you want me to let go? And let me read this for you. In verse 23 it says, but with loud shouts they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. Their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. Their shouts, the world's shouts prevailed. Is the world's shouts prevailing in your life? And the world is trying to convince you, you're fine just the way you are. You don't need to change. That anxiety issue, that's fine. That's just how you are. Just manage it. Just take some prescription. The depression you live with every day, that's just how you are. You need to move to a better climate. Hey, that pain that you have, you'll never be able to be free from that doctor's report. That's the final report. Hey, that anger issue, just don't be around that person. That unforgiveness that you've been carrying, hey, that's fine. That's their problem. That pornography habit that you have, let's celebrate it and actually say that's just how you are. That's what the world is shouting at you today. Who will you listen to? <laughs> that was great. Almost needed a drum.
For some of us, every day Jesus gets put on trial. The world brings out Jesus and they bring out your problems in your life. And they say, if Jesus really loved you, why would your life look like that? If Jesus really cared about you, why would your life be all screwed up? Jesus really cared about it. Why would you have been molested? Why would you have been abused? Why would that person have said that to you? Why would your parents have ignored you and left you? Why would your spouse have done that to you? If Jesus really cared about you, then why is all this junk happening to you? Why did your, why did your child go through that? Why did your marriage go through that? Why do your finances look that way? If Jesus really cared about you. And for some of us, every single day, he gets put on trial. And the world is shouting, crucify him. He doesn't love you, nor does he care about you. Will you let their shouts prevail in your life? Who will you listen to? And oftentimes, because we are in church, we feel like we know the voice of the Lord. But who are we letting into our lives? When uh, before uh, COVID, my wife and I, we took our kids to Mexico when life was normal. And uh, we told them as we were coming back through customs, we said, now my, at that point we, have an eight, we had an eight, six, and two. And we told our eight, our eight and six-year-old love to joke. And we said, that is not the time to joke at customs. <laughs> I, I will throw you back into Mexico if you stop messing around. Because they'll look at the, the children, if you don't have any kids, you don't, maybe you don't know, but they'll look at your kids and be like, are these your parents? Because they want to make sure they're not getting kidnapped. And so this custom agent looks at our six-year-old Charlie at that time and says, are these your parents? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, so help me God. And so he, he's kind of maybe playing around. So he's like, no, really, are these your parents? And she's like, maybe. Now you can tell he's getting a little concerned. So now he looks at my eight-year-old, and I'm like, my son's got my back on this one. I know it. And he's like, son, are these your parents? And he's like, I think so. I'm like, children, what is wrong with you? We prepped you. We practiced on the plane. And I feel like we sometimes need some holy. Now, they're here, in case you're wondering. We didn't leave them there. All COVID long, they've been just playing on the beach in Mexico. Put out a bit of vacation for us. Just kidding. I feel like sometimes we need a Holy Ghost customs agent in our life to say, hey, those people you've been bringing along with you in life, those voices you've been listening to, are they supposed to be with you? That spirit of fear that you've been bringing, that anxiety, those voices about how you're not beautiful, how you're not enough, how you're a loser, how you'll never be good enough, those voices, they're not supposed to be there. And I'm here today to tell you that those voices that you've been carrying, that old man that you tried to drag around the cross, you can be free of them. You can actually be free of them. And maybe you're like, well, I've been in church. I've grown up in church. I've read the Bible. I've gone to ministry. I've actually taught before. I've led worship. I've raised my hands. I tithed. I did all these great things as if that is supposed to solve something. Yet all those activities just become a religious process for you and you still don't even know the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a story of a young man named Samuel. And it says this in 1 Samuel 3 verse 1. 
It says Samuel ministered before the Lord. He literally lived in the house of God. Think of it like this. Picture an 18-year-old in your mind, somebody who literally sleeps here at the church. Some of our 18-year-olds are like, is that, a, is that an offer? No, get a job. Move out of your parents' house and get a job. Go to school. He literally lived in the house of the Lord. Like he, he put the burnt offerings on the sacrifice. He was there with the priests. He did all the priestly duties. But six verses later, in verse 7, it says, Samuel yet did not know the Lord. He ministered before him. He came to church for years. He literally lived there, yet he didn't even know him. Let me tell you something. You can be in church. You can say all the right things. You can be consistent, volunteer. You can come early. You can leave late. You can lead a small group. You can do all these wonderful things and not know them. In fact, when the Lord spoke to Samuel, he didn't even know whether it was man or whether it was the Lord. He couldn't even distinguish between the two. And this is what happens is we've got a lot of supposed Christians who think they know him, but when things start going crazy, they start thinking the world is the Lord and the Lord is the world. The Bible says at the end of time, we'll call evil good and good evil. Why? Because you do not know him. And you've convinced yourself that you ought to because you're here but you really don't know him. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three different parables, three different stories about who we as a church are reaching out to, three different parables about who he is calling out to. The first parable in Luke chapter 15 talks about a shepherd who's got a hundred sheep, but he loses one. And it says that he stayed or he left the 99 to go after the one. This is referencing the lost, people who've never accepted Jesus before. And Jesus, who is the good shepherd, is calling out to the lost. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus in your life. Maybe you're here today, this is your first time in church. Maybe you've, you've, you've heard stories of people. You've heard stories of people experiencing freedom or joy or seeing or, or marriages being strong. You've heard stories of people being healed and you just somehow found yourself here. Jesus is calling out to you. In fact, he left the 99 to go after the one. And the voice of the shepherd is saying, son, daughter, come to me. He knows you by name. In fact, he has left everything and is in search of you. Will you respond to him? Will you respond or continue to run? And I love this because in, in verse 7 it says this, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now to all of you righteous, awesome Christians who are so proud of yourself, patting yourself on the back for all those wonderful things that you do, and you're like, praise God, I'm awesome, and everybody else is a loser. Let me tell you something, Jesus ain't patting you on the back. He's not there being like, oh, so proud of you. You read your Bible this morning. So you showed up at church at Easter. Praise God. You're a Christian. No, he's in search of the one. And the church so often is here inside these four walls, patting ourselves upon the back, saying, aren't we awesome? Aren't we amazing? And we're wondering, where's the Spirit of God? He's out looking for the lost. The question is, are you doing what Jesus is doing, or are you doing what you want to be doing, feeling good about yourself? Because Jesus is out there looking for the one. Where are you? 
He's out looking for the lost. The second parable is a story of a woman with coins in a house, and she loses one of the coins. She loses it in the floorboards. And this is referencing those people who are lost in the church. That there are many people who are lost in the house of the Lord. You come here, you go to this church, another church, watch online, and you're just as lost as anybody else. You don't even know them. And you go through the religious duties convincing yourself that you're fine, but in reality, you're broken, you're lost, and you don't know them. In Matthew chapter 7, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day, at the end of time, at the judgment seat of Christ, which we will all stand before the Lord, will have given account for our life. It says, on that day, many will say to me, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." If somebody were prophesying, casting out demons, and healing the sick, we would hold them in high esteem. Yet, what this is saying is that those things mean nothing if you don't know the Lord. That there will be people that you will think are awesome, but they are not filled with the Spirit of God. In fact, it is a gift that is being used, and it is not an anointing. And we disguise our brokenness inside by religious activity. Let me tell you this, proximity does not equal intimacy. You can be, have proximity to the Spirit of God. You can be in this room and be close to worship, be close to the Lord, but not know Him. It does not equal intimacy. That there's probably many in this room who you've performed religious activity after activity after activity, but you are lost in the floorboards of the church. And Jesus is calling out to you to say, come to me. And you thought, I was there. But you're not. The Bible says that narrow is the gate. Very narrow. And it says very few find it. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. And very few find it. Oh, the church has tried really hard. The world has tried really hard to widen that gate. Oh, you just do you, bro. You just live the way you want to live. All that anger, all that hatred, all that sin, all the world in you, all those addictions, you just, you're fine. No, narrow is that gate. We will not widen that gate here. In Revelations, it talks about entire churches going to hell or think about that for a moment entire churches that have so twisted and warped the gospel see you can be in church and be lost oh don't get me wrong I'm proud of you for being here but that doesn't mean you know him are you lost today in the middle of the house of the Lord the third parable is this story of a father who has a son and he gives his son an inheritance and the son runs away and he goes and squanders all of the money that his father gave to him. He wastes it all and he finds himself eating with the pigs. He's literally eating what the pigs are eating and he thinks to himself, can I go home? And he's like, no, I can't because my father, he won't love me. He'll never forgive me. He'll never welcome me back in. He's gonna judge me. And so he stays and 
He continues to have the internal argument. And then finally he's like, even if I'm just there with the servants, it's better than where I am right now. And so he picks himself up and he begins to make his way back to the Father. This is a picture and a reference to somebody who once knew the Lord, who has ran away from the Lord and is wondering, can I come back again? And in verse 20 it says, and he arose the man and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran. Who ran? The father. The father. Jesus is running to you today. And he embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he just ignored him. He said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For, my, for this my son was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. See, Jesus puts a ring back on your finger to say this is your identity. He puts a robe back upon you to cover you with his love. And today Jesus is not looking at you and judging you. He's looking at you and welcoming you. He's saying come as you are. Come to the cross as you are. And when you come, you're going to meet me right here. And then we're going to die together. And we're going to come into resurrection life. Today, there are many of you who can identify with one of those three types of people. Maybe you're here and you've never known the Lord. You're here and the thought of joy is like foreign to you because you're so full of fear. You're so full of anxiety. You're so full of despair and hopelessness. Maybe you're like, you're like the, the coin lost in the house and you've been in church, but you're realizing, I don't even know the Lord. I don't know who Jesus is and I need to meet him. I've convinced myself that I'm fine, but I'm realizing I may be lost in the house of the Lord. And then there's some of you here who you're, you're like the son and you've ran from the Lord. And you're like, would God ever welcome me back again? Would he ever welcome me back into his house? Jesus is standing here today and he's saying, come back to me. And this morning, I'm not gonna give much fanfare or time, but if you want to say, I want Jesus and I'm one of those three people, I just want you to stand to your feet right now. Come on, anybody else? I will wait. I believe that there's some of you here who you've been a part of this church for years. You've been a part of this church for years and you're realizing I'm lost in church and I didn't even know it. Come on, bless you. Come on. And there's some of you here today, I know, I know there are some of you here today where you ran from the Lord You once knew him and you've run from him and you thought no way would God ever let, welcome me back. No way would I be able to be received by Jesus again. I'm telling you, he is 
welcoming you back. In fact, as you're standing there wondering, he's running towards you, embracing you, loving you, kissing you, putting a ring on your finger and a robe on your back and new shoes on your feet. Come on, if that's you, I want you to stand right now to your feet. Everybody in this room, close your eyes for a moment. Those of you standing, if you can stay standing, stand back up, man. Stand back up. Jesus, right now I ask that you come and touch every heart in this room. Father, those that need to respond to you right now would have the courage and the boldness to respond. The courage and the boldness to say enough is enough. I'm tired of looking from the outside in, but God, I want to come into your kingdom today. If that's you and you need to be standing to your feet, I want you to do it right now. Don't wait another moment. You are here today for a reason. That is to receive freedom in your life. Stand to your feet right now. All right. You, you five or six that are standing, come up to the front right now. Come up. Come up. Come on. Can we just celebrate them, church? rest of you, would you stand to your feet? Would you just reach your hands forward? Those of you who came forward, I'm going to pray over you. And when I'm done, these people who are surrounding you are going to begin to lead you into a relationship with the Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would come and transform lives in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for hearts to be surrendered, for conviction to come in. Holy Spirit, come and fill. Do what only you can do. Lord, I ask that you would come right now and cover them with your love. Cover them with your spirit, oh God. Fill them right now with power. Fill them with, with, with victory over sin, victory over hopelessness, victory, Lord, over fear and over pride. Come in Jesus' name and transform minds. Heal broken minds. Renew minds by, by the blood of the Lamb in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, those of you who came forward, we've got some different people up here ministering to you. They're just going to begin to talk with you and lead you into relationship with Jesus. So Nathaniel, if you can come up. Scott and Jeremy, you keep doing what you're doing. If there's anybody else that we can have come up to begin to pray, that'd be great. Ben, come up here, Ben. All right. We're going to celebrate. Come on. Resurrection Sunday, Easter ain't Easter without closing with a celebration. Is there anybody here thankful for what Jesus has done? This morning as we worshiped, I, I, there was a reverence in me towards the Lord. I feel like sometimes... I love the dancing and I love the shouting and I love the craziness. I love it. It's how I worship. But I feel sometimes in the midst of it, what can get lost is that Jesus is here. Like I ain't dancing to 
to like go through the motions. Jesus is in the room. And this morning, Jesus is here. And I want to give him honor and praise because he is worthy this morning. So everybody in this room, just close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you that you are here. And Lord, we honor you. Worthy are you, Jesus. Worthy are you, Jesus. Come on, just begin to tell him. Begin to honor him. Begin to give him praise and adoration. Worthy are you, Jesus. Great and mighty is your name. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that was spilled. Father, thank you that sin no longer has its hold on me. Thank you for healing. Thank you for your freedom. Father, I thank you for your love that comes to me even when I'm broken and hurting. Father, thank you that you are here right now. Father, I thank you for, for the opportunity that I get to come before you with boldness and thanksgiving. And this morning, God, I give you all the honor and praise. Great and mighty is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All honor and praise to you. Come on, church, let's sing this together. All hail the King of Kings. Thank you. 